Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. So good to be back here. Uh, I've been gone for uh, quite some time, and I'm so uh, thankful to be just be back with our church. Uh, I had the privilege of going with our team to Mozambique, which was such an amazing uh, experience. We went to Nampula, Mozambique, which is a city that is 88% Muslim. And we preach the gospel. And so what we do uh, for most of the week is we get our teams and we go into the city. We'll get in a van, play some music as we're coming in, and we'll move into, drive into, like, say, a marketplace where there may be 100 or 200 people. Uh, We'll get out. People will start wandering and sharing their faith. And then on a microphone, one of our team members will stand up, share their testimony just to the marketplace. People are sitting there with their fruits and vegetables, share their testimony, and then another person will get up and preach and share the gospel and how people can be saved. And we'll see many come forward and give their lives to Christ. And they systematically divide up the whole city into different places so that we're canvassing the entire city to share the gospel. And our team of 22 people from this church help lead over 1,800 people to Christ. That's incredible. It is a bit of a battleground in in Africa, but it's also very ripe for the gospel right now. The coolest part, though, is Shine, who we worked with, they did an amazing, I would call it, as a guy who loves system and organization, uh, it was an organizational marvel in that for the very first time in the history of that city, they united the churches, and over 1,000 churches came together for this mission. And so every day we would go out, there'd be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of local Christians from all sorts of churches going out and sharing the gospel. And then it all ended with a large festival at the end. But get this, because there were a thousand churches that came together and said, we are going to reach our city for Christ, together in the whole mission, we reached over 90,000 people for Christ. 90,000. Sometimes, sometimes in a place, cities just need an injection, right? Like this is a spark. 90,000 people in a city that's 88% Muslim, and it's not 88% Muslim anymore, by the way. 90,000 people is 10% of the entire city. So what do you think that's going to do, right? And the church had never worked together before, and now they know what Jesus Christ can do for them. It was just so amazing to be a part of. So amazing, in fact, that I, I'm pretty convinced that you need to come with us next year. And we go to Africa, okay? Because we're going to need you. And let me say thank you, too, to so many of you I know were praying for us uh, back home. And so many of you also, you financially supported, like the people in your house group that went. That, is, that makes such a big difference. And so thank you for doing that as well. Okay. All right. Let's get into the word together. Uh, this morning, we are uh, still in the book of Zechariah. And we've actually come to a passage that's going to lead us to talk about the subject of paganism. Uh, and New Age beliefs. So today, when I say the word paganism, because that can mean a whole lot of different things, I'm just going to define it as the worship of many gods, or idols, or spirits, or energy. It's basically kind of anything under that New Age movement. Now, my first exposure to this movement was when I was an unsaved teenager. On my very first job, I was a dishwasher at a local restaurant in Cambridge, and I was let me just say I was awful at it. Uh, I was too slow, and they said that I talked too much uh, for a dishwasher. It just wasn't my calling. Uh, and, uh, but I remember every, every day on my lunch break, I would make myself a cheeseburger and fries, and I would go sit down, and I would read the newspaper, because this is pre-cell phone era. And every day, I would read my horoscope. Now, even as an unsaved rational person. Like, I knew oh, this can't be real. I knew that anybody could write, today you will have a challenging day. <laughs> and you will meet someone 
with a vowel in their name. <laughs> like I, I understood that, and yet I still read it every day. Okay, what is that, right? There's something, there was something inside of me that is looking for more. And in some ways, I think I wasn't all that different from many people around the world and even from the Israelites of Zechariah's day. So let's talk about them as we look at Zechariah chapter 10 today. So if you picked up a church Bible on your way in, we're on page 650. Uh, we're gonna be in Zechariah 10. We're just doing verses one and two. Uh, you can also use it on the Renovation Church app. You just have uh, summer services and uh, weekly verses. If today's your first time with us, so happy you're here. Uh, where we are in history, we're about 520 years before Jesus. And so here's what it says. So Zechariah chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 2. The Lord is speaking through Zechariah. It says, Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who sends the thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone. The idols speak deceitfully. Diviners see visions that lie. They tell dreams that are false. They give comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep oppressed for the lack of a shepherd. Okay, so let me, let me give you some context uh, on why the Lord is saying this through Zechariah at this point in history. So God's people had just come back from this 70-year exile in Babylon, and one of the main reasons that they were exiled in the first place was because they were engaging in idolatry. They were worshiping all sorts of gods and goddesses and idols, right? And that led them into all sorts of sin and depravity, but now they're back. Okay? Everyone should be back focusing on the one true God again, but some people, not most, but some people are beginning to engage again in idolatry and in paganism. Right? This is verse 2 of our passage warns about the lies of idols, and that's exactly what you think it is. It's just little statues that people believed were gods, and often what they would do is they would have, do you see that word in there where it says the diviner? So you would have a diviner come over to your house and it was their job to sort of be an interpreter for the idol. And so they would say, the idol is saying to you, and they would give you the message from the God. And often they would ask much of you, like it might be an animal sacrifice where they would take some of the meat, but then they would also go into the entrails and the organs of the animal and then find a message for you from God. And what struck me just studying this passage is that's actually not all that different than how many people in Mozambique and in East Africa still live today. In fact, it is still incredibly common for Africans to see a witch doctor for help. Some doctor that'll come in, often there's a sacrifice, there's a ritual, and then they're getting direction from that witch doctor. And unfortunately, in Zechariah's time, the cultural influence of paganism was once again seeping into the culture. And I think this is an important passage for us to study because I submit to you the same thing is happening in our day, in our culture. Paganism is returning. And I don't know if we could have even seen this coming 50 years ago, but it's happening. And so what are the common beliefs that you might see of paganism or of the New Age movement now, it's actually pretty hard to define because it's such a broad subject and there are so many different groups, but I want to give you some examples of how you might see paganism seeping into our culture. And I'm going to give you kind of just some high-level stuff rather than going deep into the uh, theology of Wiccans or something like that. So here are some examples of how I see it in our culture. One of the things that I see a lot is what uh, pagans would call the law of attraction. 
Now, the law of attraction in paganism is this. It says that your thoughts and your feelings attract a corresponding energy to you. So if your thoughts are negative, they say then you attract negative things into your life. If your thoughts are positive, you attract positive things and good things into your life. So people are going to say, oh, good vibes only. Right? They're going to say, oh, to bring the good energy. And so the idea behind this is you want to believe, you want to visualize, you want to imagine what you want in your life. Others will say, you see this on social media a lot, they'll say you need to manifest, you need to speak the positive things that you want into your life, and then they will come into your life. Well, what is that? That's not, that's not this. Okay, that's a pagan idea. Another way that you see paganism seeping into our culture is you can hear a lot of people now talk about a meditation or breathing exercises, right, or mindfulness, and particularly they'll say you'll use those techniques to connect to a cosmic force. Now, we're not connecting to a cosmic force, right? Of course, we're connecting to Jesus. Or I was sharing the gospel with someone last year. And I was just talking about who Jesus was, and she said, yeah, I really believe that, that God is just out in the forest, and that he's out in the wind. Well, what is that? I mean, that's not like a detailed, systematic belief system, but that's the influence of paganism seeping into the American culture. Here's another way you, you'll see it. Um, when you're having a conversation with a, a neighbor or a friend, and let's say they went through something difficult, you know, maybe a family member died or something, Today, when Americans try and make sense of what's happening in their life, they don't invoke God anymore like they maybe did 30 years ago. They're going to say something like this. You ever hear this? They'll say, I guess that's just the way the universe wanted it to be. You hear that? People talk like that all the time. Well, what is that? That it was like the stars decided your spouse was going to die? That's paganism. Okay, and is seeping into the culture. And of course, unfortunately, there's a next step into paganism, and we're kind of getting to the point in our culture where people are going to begin even more so taking the next step in as the distance between people being in church and knowing Jesus sort of increases. So the next step into paganism might be things like people carrying around crystals in their pocket or wearing certain metals to keep away bad energy, or maybe it's going to see a psychic, or maybe it's going to see a medium who supposedly can speak to your dead loved ones, or tarot card readers, or spirit guides, or palm readers, even those who are engaging in practicing Wicca. Now, there may be a few of you in, the, in this room that are thinking, why are, why are we even talking about this today? And I would say, well, A, because it's in our passage, but B, because all of these types of beliefs, believe it or not, are exploding in America right now. Let me give you an example of this. So there was a, a Trinity College survey done way back in 1990, and they found that there were only 8,000 Wiccans so those are like kind of engaging in, in witchcraft. Only 8,000 Wiccans in the U.S. Well, Pew Research, which is a great company, they, they did a, a survey uh, 24 years later in 2014. So this is already nine years old. And in 2014, they found that Wiccan membership had grown from 8,000 to 1.5 million. Want to hear something crazy? Right now, you know the Presbyterian Church? The Presbyterian Church of America, that denomination, they have 1.4 million members. So in 2023, there are way more witches in America than old-school Presbyterians. Okay, how is this happening? What is changing in our culture to allow this happening? 
I would tell you it's happening in Western civilization in part because we are transitioning from a culture where everybody used to go to church. Right? You go back to the 60s, 70s, 80s. That doesn't mean that everybody was saved, okay, because they weren't. It was cultural for a lot of people to go to church. But the fact that they were in church, at least they were exposed to the teachings of Christianity and had somewhat, many of them, of a Christian worldview. We're transitioning from that era. That era is going away, okay? And what's coming now is a different era. Even right now in cities like ours, only 15% of people go to church. And we're transitioning into a different sort of era. And what happens in that new era? What happens when people leave the church and they leave God behind? Now, what's kind of fascinating to sociologists is what's happening isn't what people said was going to happen. So if you go back and you read scholars and futurists from 40 or 50 years ago, they absolutely thought that by now, that by the 2020s, we would be a nation full of atheists. And yet that hasn't happened at all. In fact, atheism isn't really even growing. But paganism is exploding. And if you go to Europe, which is always kind of unfortunately ahead of us in this downward trend, paganism is rampant. Why? Why paganism? Here's why. Humans were created with a God-shaped hole in their heart that only God can fill. That's just how we were made. There's a spiritual connection that every single human just longs for. And so atheism just feels wrong to most people. But they also no longer want Christianity. And honestly, they don't also want Islam or Judaism because all of those things come with having to submit to a moral authority on how to live. People see they want spirituality, but they don't want morality. They want to be able to do whatever they want, sexually, relationally, you name it. And so what's happening in America is Americans are finding themselves falling into the arms of paganism where they can have spirituality, but they can create their own morality. Okay? And that, for our culture, that is just a match made in, in hell. It's a match made in hell. That's what it is. And honestly, what's, what scares me is these sort of beliefs are even creeping into the American church And it's happening because in the American church, we've created a vacuum for them to come into. Did you know that there there has not been a time in any of our lifetimes where the American church has been less biblically educated? And this is why at our church, we're so serious about teaching the Bible because honestly, people just need it. We need to know the word. That's why we have Renovation U, like John McCormick was talking about, so we can teach theology and teach the scriptures to people because if people don't know the scriptures, they can't live by it. In fact, it's gotten so bad in the American church, there was a Pew Research study that showed that 61% of American Christians, those who would label themselves as Christians, 61% of American Christians hold at least one pagan belief. Here's how they did the survey. They, they took four common beliefs of paganism, and they asked people, do you believe in, in this or not? 61% of Christians believed in at least one of them. Here, here were the four. The first was believing that there is spiritual energy in physical objects, like a, like a crystal or in nature or something. The second was belief in psychics. The third was a belief in reincarnation. And the fourth was a belief in astrology. That's like horoscopes, that the stars determine your day. 61% of American Christians believe in at least one of those four things even though the Bible absolutely condemns each and every one of those. So 
Friends, this is happening. Even if this is kind of new, to some of you are like, I know, and I see this. Some of you are like, I didn't know much about this. I'm just telling you, it's happening, and it's going to get worse unless revival comes. Jesus, bring revival, okay? But if it doesn't come, I want you to be aware of what's happening in our country and what will happen over the next 10 to 15 years. So what are some principles you can take from this that you just need to know because this is probably gonna get worse? Okay, so if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this heading. What to do about pagan beliefs? What to do about pagan beliefs? Okay, here is the first thing I want you to know. Realize that they pale in comparison to our God. Realize that they pale in comparison to our God. That is what Zechariah 10 is about. So if you look at it again, it shows the care of God. So he is the one who brings the rain. Okay, he waters the plant. The idols, they're mute. Okay, they're fake. They don't care about you. He also says that God is the one with the real truth. And so when the diviners come and then they pretend to speak for the wooden idols, they're speaking deceitfully, right? Because the guy down the street just made that idol two days ago. They're speaking deceitfully. And many of us, I think we go, how could, how could anyone even, you feel this way? How could anyone even possibly believe that a wood idol is speaking? Like, how is that even possible? Do you know why you think that way? It's because many of you, especially if you're older, you grew up in a culture, in part because of Christianity, that prioritized logic and truth. Okay, but now, as we're transitioning into a new era that is currently blowing up logic with a million sticks of dynamite, what's happening is paganism is coming because it's only in a world in which logic, reason, and science don't have priority that a person could even possibly believe that a crystal in their pocket is going to determine their day or that the position of Saturn in the sky is going to help them find their soulmate. And so paganism is returning. And Zechariah says there's no comfort in any of these pagan things. The ones that say they have a vision for you, pretend to tell your dreams, are in a psychic. He says they all comfort in vain. They may give you some hope at first, right? Like, oh, you're going to have a great year. But then the truth comes. And they can't point you to a God who's really in control. And that's why, that's why the Lord says to Zechariah that they're kind of, they're like sheep without a shepherd. You know, Jesus quotes this in the New Testament, you know that? Where he sees the crowd. He says he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And, and church, we need to have compassion on these people. Don't, don't develop uh, frustration or look down on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd because they're looking for the spiritual without the shepherd, without the care, without the comfort, without the truth. And so all of the pagan things, they pale in comparison to knowing a personal God named Jesus Christ, okay? That's the first one. Okay, second thing. What to do with pagan beliefs? Number two, run. Okay, don't, don't go near them. And I'm not sure that our American church today understands this principle as well as our grandparents did. Because the Bible says that we should stay very far away from these sorts of things. And it says that because they are literally detestable to God. I mean, think about this. Believing 
that you can determine your future by speaking positive things or believing that karma is actually deciding your future or believing that the universe is controlling your future. All of those things are an affront to God because they're saying that they are in charge, not our God. And so I, I want to show you a place in the Bible where God speaks very clearly and very directly about all of these pagan things. So I want you to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 18. So if you, if you brought a church Bible, uh, we're on page 133. Uh, and if you're uh, using our app, again, just open that to uh, our weekly verses. I want you to see this with your own eyes because... This comes from a really interesting timing in the Bible. So the Israelites are just about to enter the promised land and the promised land is basically full of pagans, of the Canaanites who do all of these things. And God very clearly wants to warn his people about not adapting the patterns of paganism. So this is from Deuteronomy chapter 18 and we are gonna read verses nine through 12. Okay, here's what it says. It says, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. And they would do that to a God so they could improve their life. Okay, and then it says, no one to be found who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Okay, so think of it this way. These things are so detestable, they are so offensive to God, that it's actually the primary reason that the Lord is driving out the Canaanites from that land. And ironically, it will be the same reason that the Lord will drive out Israel and Judah from the same land years later, because God hates paganism. And so as followers of the one true God, we are to have absolutely nothing to do with these beliefs and practices. And, and let me be absolutely clear on something. Because I am not sure that American Christians today understand this. These things that we're talking about are not silly playthings. Okay, certainly there are scammers out there and all those sorts of things, but much of this is not pretend. Okay, as, as a person who has witnessed firsthand the absolutely scary and awful effects of witchcraft in Africa, this is not a funny costume with a broom. Paul very clearly in the scriptures says that these are teachings taught by demons. That's 1 Timothy 4.1. And then he says, and to participate in them is to participate with demons. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Honestly, I think that's part of why people get so attracted to these things, because it isn't all pretend. Much of it has a real spiritual power behind it, but it's the demonic and so hear me as your pastor, if there is anything in your life that is remotely connected to any of this, run. Okay, cut it off. We have an example of this in scripture for you. Acts chapter 19, Paul's in Ephesus. He's reaching many, many people for Christ, okay? And many of the people he reaches, the Bible says, were sorcerers. 
sorcerers. And when they reach for Christ, it says they all come together as one and they burn all of their scrolls. Even though it says it cost them an insane amount of money. They did it. Because when they met Jesus and the light, they wanted nothing to do with anything with the ways of Satan. Okay, so that's principle number two. If there's anything in your life, you've got to run from it. Burn it. Okay, because it's detestable to our Lord. Okay, let me give you a third principle here because for some of you, I think this topic raises a lot of um, what ifs or, or what abouts. So what to do about pagan beliefs? Number three is practice spiritual discernment. Practice spiritual discernment. I think it's probably obvious to most of us that the Lord does not want us engaged in witchcraft, but it may be less obvious if you should read a certain book or, or watch a certain show or engage in a certain type of thinking. Your first John says this in chapter four, verse one. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone into the world. Actually, you see this sort of language a lot in the New Testament. Christians are to use spiritual discernment. So if you get into a place where you're unsure about whether you should read or watch or participate, it is our job to get on our knees and ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, do you want me doing this? What is your will? Speak to me. And then I believe the humble Christian, the mature Christian also goes to their friends from house groups and says, what do you think about this? I need spiritual discernment here. I just think with pagan influences beginning to explode around us, especially in media content, I just want you to urge, I just want to urge you pray about this before interacting with it. Let me give you an example. Okay, if you're a young person in the room or you have a young person in your family, if you go to the library nowadays, and I love libraries, but honestly this is one of the reasons that we're building a Christian library in our expanded building. Because if you go to any library, even like Barnes and Noble, and you go to the young adult section or the teen section, what you will find is almost every single book nowadays is about a vampire or a witch or a spirit. Now, for some people, that might not be that big of a temptation, but I know other young people who get caught up in the fantasy of it and the excitement of it, and soon enough, they're dabbling in paganism, and then eventually they're caught in it. Now, I think 30 years ago, it might have been fair to you to say back to me, like, come on, pastor, you're just, like, trying to scare us and exaggerate. But listen, it's not 1993 anymore, okay? And our young people are not isolated. With the internet, with YouTube, it just doesn't take long to go down the rabbit hole of paganism. And so discernment is key here. Uh, I talked to a friend uh, from our uh, Mozambique team uh, who uh, gave me some advice on this uh, not that long ago. As a young person, he was uh, caught up in some of this. And he said a, a friend came to him and, and gave him a principle that was really helpful for him. And I want to share that with you. And he said, really, you essentially need to ask, is this book that you're reading Right? Is the show that you're watching, is this practice that you're doing, is it leading you closer to Christ or farther away from him? And I think that's a good principle that you can apply. So I'll just, for example, let me just apply it to my own life. Okay, so like in my family, we love the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Amen? Amen. Okay, right? And if, but if you read the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a witch, the white witch, right? And she's casting a spell, but allegorically, she represents the devil. And then the Christ figure, Aslan, comes and defeats her, which I just gave it away. I'm so sorry. Um, 
But I love it, and my family loves it, because it absolutely draws us closer to Christ. But as a counterexample, I remember a couple years ago, someone recommended to me that I watch this popular show, and I, I started watching this show, and it was really well done, but the people were chanting, and they were casting spells and doing all these things, and I just, I felt uncomfortable in my spirit. And so I just sought the Holy Spirit on. I said, Lord, what do I do? And I just felt like he was saying, this isn't of me. And I didn't want to stop watching. It was really good. But I just felt like, I can't. And so I stopped. Because it wasn't drawing me closer to Christ and his heart. I would also say, as a general rule, if you're like, I just don't know. Like, I can't decide. Is this right? Is this not? As a general rule, I'd say, in this area, you are better off safe than sorry. Because you, you just don't want to be dabbling in something that is detestable, potentially, to our God. You, you don't want to be reading or watching or engaging or consuming something that truly, potentially, the scripture says, has the demonic behind it. It's better safe than sorry. And even if the culture thinks you're weird for not engaging in it, you just want to trust God here. Because your God has laid things out for you in scripture for his glory, but also for your good, Okay? And so we trust in the Lord, we trust in his word, and we trust in Jesus because he is better. Okay, let me pray on this worship. Lord, we, we thank you so much for your truth. And we pray, God, against this rise of paganism in our culture. We ask and we plead for revival instead. And Lord, we pray as people do turn to this that you would give us the words and the wisdom and the courage to point them towards a real God who loves them in a real God who cares for them. God, may you use us as we follow you and we help others do the same. It's in your name we pray. Amen.